and welcome to The Happy Writer. This is a podcast that aims to bring readers more books to enjoy and to help authors find more joy in their writing. I am your host, Marissa Meyer. Thanks so much for joining me today. One thing making me happy this week is that we just treated ourselves to some new bookshelves. And what a joy that is! All of the bookshelves throughout our whole house and even the ones in my office, they had reached that point where you're like just throwing books on top of books and you're like nothing fits anymore and you get new books somehow keep appearing in the house and what are you supposed to do with them you're not going to get rid of books I'm sure you can all relate to this so we finally decided we got rid of uh, one piece of furniture that we just weren't using that much and replaced it with three new beautiful bookshelves in our living room. And I got to spend an entire day curating which books to put on them and making them so tidy and pretty. I don't know how long that's going to last, but for now, I love them and it makes me smile every time I walk by. I am also so happy to be talking to today's guest. She has an MFA in writing for children and young adults from Vermont College of Fine Arts and is a 2017 recipient of SCBWI's Emerging Voices Award. She is also the author of several novels and nonfiction projects for children and young adults, including What is Black Lives Matter and Be Real Macy Weaver, a coming-of-age middle-grade friendship story. Her debut young adult novel, Last Chance Dance, will be out in bookstores tomorrow, February 21st. Please welcome Lakita Wilson. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. I know we were talking before we started the recording that uh, as of this recording, you're a couple weeks out from your launch and it sounds like there's a lot going on and a lot to be done to get ready for it. But are you excited? How are you feeling? I am super, I am super excited. I feel like there's a big, for me, there's like a big difference um, between like launching middle grade and launching YA and that um, more of the readers for YA are online, like Mm -hmm. on TikTok. So I'm like, oh, hi, hi guys, (laughs) here's a book for you. So yeah, super exciting. So what did you do? When you were promoting your middle grade novel, like what were some of the major focuses there as opposed to like the TikTok and the social media for your your new readers? Um, There was there was a lot of focus on school and library. So, you know, we um, we looked at like teachers and librarians and um, how we could like integrate um, themes in the book with. just things going on around like the book launch. I know like it was, it was summer vacation, but we knew like um, school was coming in a few months and we sort of, we sort of like strategized that way. Like, okay, like we're, um, we're giving people a teaser in the summer, but we're going to like gear up for um, school and hopefully like, hopefully readers will find this in the classroom or in their libraries. Right. Right. Um, and now, of course, doing much more of the the Instagram and the TikTok. Were oh my you God. already like into social media or has this been a little bit of a shock? Like suddenly, wait, you want me to do what? 
So it's interesting because I have been super into social media, but the way that I used it was so different. Yeah. So people might notice if they ever visit my Instagram, there's this very annoying thing where I have two different Instagram handles and it's one says like Lakita reads and one says Lakita writes. And that's because Lakita reads used to be called something else. And I would post about books all the time, but I would never, I would like never show myself like ever. And so, um, and this was like before, you know, I had anything published. I was like, oh, here's some cool books, you know, like look at these covers. But I was always like super afraid to just like be on, on camera. So I used Lakita Writes to just kind of like hang out with my friends. Like that's where I would <laughs> be on camera. Mm. So the, so that bigger account, it got kind of popular. And um, I tried to then ease myself like, oh, hi, it's me, like ease myself onto that account. But somehow I have never <laughs> been able to like transition to like, hi, it's me, like, because I started it out really differently. Yeah. Um, and I also have like another secret, like fandom page that got up to like 70,000 followers at one point. Oh, wow. And, and I hid myself there too. Like now I know not to do that. I mean, like some people will always have an account where they never show themselves, but I learned from that experience that you should start out like um, saying like, hi, it's me. Get to know me. I'm the person behind the account because if you try to do that after like the account grows, they're like, who are you? Just give us content. We don't, we don't want to see you. So I didn't know there was a person behind this page. Yeah. So now like with my TikTok, I'm like, hi, it's me. Yeah. Hi guys. But yeah, I, I use it a little different now. Sure. No. And you do, I mean, we change the way that we use social media and I'm constantly like I just I'm not on TikTok. TikTok TikTok scares me, and I still don't like being on camera. Um, but I just recently started like trying to do reels on Instagram, mm. which is I'm I know that I'm way behind everybody else, but it takes me a long time to like psych myself up for these things. And oh, now I have to learn a new method of promotion, or or even oh, if it's not yeah. promotion, a new method of like showing myself and my life and the behind the scenes and it's like oh it takes time and effort and I was gonna say it's like it's like a part-time job be into social media I got up super early in the morning spent a couple hours on it was literally a part-time job that I just didn't get paid for because yeah. I never learned how to monetize like that was I was <laughs> literally this was volunteer work because I was just doing it a lot of time like even when I'm doing these TikToks like I I think it's funny and like I like do little things on there but it definitely cuts into my writing time so like I have to find I have to find a good balance with that yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's a lot. Um, and it does cut into the writing time, which like yeah, this is the world we're in, and you have to do something. Um, but I know there's plenty of times when I've been frustrated with it and like, oh, but I really just want to spend all day writing. And honestly, sometimes I do, and I'm like, social media can wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So the first, I guess we've already like talked about. Thing. So I guess it's not my first question anymore. Um, but one question I like to start with is that I would love to hear your writer origin story. What are the 
the twists and turns of your life that brought you here to, to being a published writer? Oh my gosh, it was such a windy road. Um, so basically, I didn't even think being like I never even thought about being a traditionally published writer. Like I I don't know why it never occurred to me that like that could be possible. So like I thought I thought I was gonna self-publish. And in my head, I was like, well. If I'm going to like put out a book, then I need to have like a social media platform. And that's how that um, Bookstagram page came about because I was like, all right, I need to give um, people content so that when I'm ready to put out like my own book, you know, like I'll have an audience, I'll have people that will buy it. And um, at the time, there was a lot of conversation around, um, you know, we need, (laughs) we need more diverse books. We need more diverse writers out here. And so um, when I started posting covers of, you know, novels, like children's novels that I, that I would like find in stores or eventually like publishers started sending them to me, I just, you know, started posting those covers online and the page grew. But then I found out that um, I may not make a very good self-published writer because I need like I, I need the guidance of an editor. Like I need a team that's like, all right, <laughs> to ease up on this, and maybe you want to, you know, um, work on your plot this way. And so, someone I, I had, I had like posted something. Um, I had posted like some artwork, and an editor um, from a big five publishing house reached out to me, and she was like, oh, like you know, are, are you a writer? Like, what are you doing? Do you have some work? And I sent it to her and, and at the time, like, I didn't realize it, like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, they don't normally reach out to you, but like, you know, she, she did. And what I sent her, that's how I found out that like, m- you know, me just kind of writing things on my own probably wasn't going to be the way to go. So um, she was like, okay. Like, she was like, the editor was super nice about it, but she was like, I don't know. So um, <laughs> I started really looking at that manuscript, um, Googled, like, how do you write a good manuscript? You know, I would like <laughs> look, for, <laughs> look for writing advice online. I worked with a, a de- developmental editor um, for, for a time, but it, but for me, I felt like, um, you know, I was, I had started like querying, you know, people were interested in the ideas. So like, I would get past that stage of like, oh, okay. Um, this, idea sounds interesting and the first couple of pages are you know okay so send me more but like I would never get to a point where um an agent wanted to uh bring me on board and like represent me so Mm -hmm. I said okay I'm gonna go to school and I'm gonna like be super serious about this and you know for it's not everybody's path to to get the MFA but I felt like I needed structure and I needed someone to say this is where you're going uh, this is where the challenges are. Let me show you how to like create a body of work. So, mm-hmm. um, so I ended up going back to school because I, you know, um, developmental editors are, are okay, but like, it, I just, I felt like I needed like really intensive training just, just for me. And so, um, 
I did that for two years. And, you know, when you're in like an MFA program, they're, they're always like, hey, just take the time, like take the time and, you know, really get to know yourself and your writing. And I kept querying the whole time. Like, <laughs> you're like, I don't have time for that. Not following <laughs> advice. Um, I still got rejected so many times, but um, toward the end, I was getting ready to graduate and I finally landed an agent who um, liked what is now Be Real Macy Weaver. But I I had a nonfiction project that I was like working on and um, I was also working on Last Chance Dance. Last Chance Dance has been around forever, just Mm. FYI. And she, you know, we started working together and she went out, she looked at Be Real Macy Weaver and was like, let's work on this a little bit. Like I was a baby writer. She was a baby agent. And so she had like all the time in the world for me. It was like perfect setup. And um, we talked about that manuscript and we worked on it for almost a year while she um, went out on sub with a nonfiction project. When that nonfiction project sold, I had other projects and then my agent was able to sell those projects. So over the next few years, you're going to see numerous projects from me <laughs> but that's because I, <laughs> my agent and I, we mapped out a plan and we, um, you know, I wrote the work. She gave me advice, like really great advice. She sold, you know, she sold yeah. those projects. It worked out. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, having a plan, those are like magical words in my ears. Um, yeah. And I don't think that's common. A lot of times, you know, a writer will have the book that they sell. And yes, most of us also have projects that we queried or wrote, but didn't finish. And, you know, the things that are tucked away in a drawer somewhere. But a lot of times we don't want to use those. Those are like, no, I was just practicing. No one's ever going to see those. Uh, so it's interesting for you that you get the agent, get the book deal deals. Um, but also had this, you know, kind of portfolio of work to just like plow ahead with. Well, and here's the thing, because like sometimes I'm I'm on like um like message boards or like Facebook groups, and then people are like, ah, my agent won't sub, you know, like this thing, or they want me to wait. And so I feel like there's like a very fine line between, you know, saying, Hey, I just want you to sell my work. And really like trusting your agent because like, you know, some agents aren't as hands-on, I guess. And um, I guess like a waiting period could be harmful, but if you have the right agent and they, they're they saying, hey, I think you really have something here, but I don't think this is the time to put it out on sub. Let's work on it a bit mm-hmm. until we like really have something that um that editors will be excited about i say like trust your agent in that situation because a good agent will have like editors in mind and like they'll you know and they've gotten to know the the different editors and what would probably work yeah for for an editor with with that particular project so for me waiting was painful. I will, you know, it wasn't like I was like, all oh, right, I trust you under like no, it was painful, but it really paid off in the end. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And, you know, of course, we think of agents as the person who sells your work to the publisher, but they're they a good one is a lot more than that. And they are thinking strategy and timing and career planning too, which 
is really invaluable. Yeah, she um Melanie was one of the one of the first people to say, "Okay, you have a middle grade, but what other um ideas do you have in the middle grade space?" And I'm like, "Hey." And she's like, "No, I'm telling you because you know, <laughs> if you have another idea, then, you know, um you can follow up. Like she talked to me about building an audience and it's not just, you know, like one project. If you have, you know, like YA contemporary have something else that can like come after that. And I was like, Oh, you know what? Okay. (laughs) So, so I always try to like think about it in that way now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is a different way of thinking about it as opposed to just like, okay, time to write another book. I wonder what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, well, ex- I'm very excited to hear that you have lots in the works. Um, sounds like you're going to have a busy few years full of lots of social media promotion coming up. We're going to get those TikTok dances together. Because- there you go. <laughs> um, speaking of having a plan. Okay, let's talk about your newest book and your debut young adult. Will you please tell listeners about Last Chance Dance? Sure. So Layla Bean is 17. It's her senior year. She's three weeks out from graduating. Like she will be done with high school in three weeks. Three weeks before she graduates, her longtime love of four years, Dev, dumps her. He's like, look, Layla, we're going away to college. I've never dated anyone else. You've never dated anyone else. Let's just take these last three weeks and just be single. So Layla's devastated, but Deb also knows that something a big school tradition is coming up and that's last chance dance. Last chance dance is when um all the single people get to um they have one last chance to date um an old crush, a new crush, someone that they've never thought about before now, but now they're like, you know what? I do want to go out on a date with that person before high school is over and they have, you know, a few weeks to just have these whirlwind dates. And then at the end, they pick one person and they go to the dance with them. And it's supposed to be just like um, a really fun end to high school. But Layla is like, excuse me, Deb, I'm in love with you. Do you not remember? Like we've had the best relationship ever. And so um, she's devastated. She has, she wants nothing to do with this. Um, but her friends talk her into participating in Last Chance Dance. She does it partly to just distract herself from heartbreak. But this novel is all about just, you know, what happens after disappointment. And, you know, the love that I have right now, like my forever love, or or is it perfect for just right now? Is there something um, une- unexpected just around the corner? I think... For Layla, she felt like, well, this relationship is great, so I'm going to be in it forever. And that's just that. And um, I think Dev realized really early on that we're 17. Our whole lives are ahead of us. Maybe we are each other's forever love, but like, let's explore a little bit and and see where that takes us because we are still young. So mm-hmm. that's pretty much, it's just like a fun rom-com about finding yourself and finding what makes you happy. Yeah, no, it is. It is absolutely a very fun rom-com, very quick paced. And I just say like these teenagers, they experience more romance in three weeks than I did in my entire high school career. (laughs) 
is, is the idea of the last chance dance, is that an actual thing or did you totally make that up? Oh, that is a thing. Like, I have you... never heard of this. They did not do this in my high school. So um, FYI, I did not go to any Ivy League universities, but it is totally popular um, in the Ivy League university world where like okay the last year the last year your senior year of college you're like hey you know what I'm going back to my hometown or I'm like moving somewhere else so let me you know get those last few dates in and it's um this version is definitely a little <laughs> um more PG than <laughs> college last chance dances but um but it's it's honestly about celebrating taking control of your own love life of what makes you happy and um it's supposed to be full of romance because romance can be fun <laughs> yes no absolutely and one thing i love about just like the overall premise of this book cuz of course in rom-coms um it's really common to see like the triangle where we've got uh, the the protagonist in the middle and the the two potential love interests and that of course can create all sorts of fun drama um yeah. but you've like we've got uh Layla in the middle and four four five <laughs> really five potential love interests am I doing my math right I'm pretty sure yeah, yeah five you know? <laughs> um, and, and so it just it makes for this really fun dynamic uh as we see this girl who's heartbroken and devastated but like refusing to stay heartbroken and devastated it's just so fun I you know can I tell you just like just a very unhinged dream of mine I love unhinged <laughs> dreams <laughs> after writing this book so I you know I thought the book was just like oh here's like a silly thing I can do where like you know the girl gets to go on all these fun dates and I get to, you know, um, ha like create all these disaster dates too. But <laughs> as I finished, like once I started wrapping it up, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be like the LeVar Burton of <laughs> last chance dancing. Like I, I want to go across the country and visit high schools and just throw last chance dances <laughs> and have webisodes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm like acting like this is 2006, like webisodes, but like, I don't know. I just, I think it could be so fun. That However, would be amazing. You could have like a reality show about this. I'm telling you, I feel like people would watch. It seems so fun. But... Absolutely. No, it's got a lot of the hallmarks of like classic dating shows. Yes. Yes. With a, like with a twist. With a twist. <laughs> No, I think it is so fun. When you were writing the book, uh, because a lot of the fun of the book comes from these multiple dates that you mentioned that Layla goes on, um, some that go well, some that do not go well. Yeah. Um, how, how did you go about like figuring out what the dates were going to be? I honestly, so I started off with like caricatures and I so they were pretty tropey. Okay. So it's like, oh, hot guy. And you know, he's like, hey, I'm the hottie of the school. But like then I had to humanize them. I'm like, okay, like you cannot just be like this flat, like hot character. Like you have to have like a little something going on. So um I 
made them tropes at first. Like, oh, sweet bookworm, hottie who likes to take lots of pictures, um, social justice activist. Like, I was like, okay, here's all these, like, people. And then I started to, um, I tried to go from, like, really bad to, you know, okay, it's, like, a little bad, but, like, maybe this is going to work out to, like, oh, I know this is going to work out. And, oh, maybe it doesn't. You know, so, like, I tried to, like, the first date, I don't want to give it away, but, like, the first date to me is, like, probably the worst one. Cause it's, yeah, it was it's pretty just, bad. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was my favorite one to write because it was so silly. I can see that. <laughs> Are you an outliner? Like, did you, because you talk about how there's, you know, it's not all just, like, bad date, bad date, bad date. Like, there's some ups and downs. And, you know, as a reader, there's definitely some question marks at different periods about, like, oh, I really thought Layla was going to end up with this person, but now you're making me wonder, you know? And so did you plan it out, or are you more of a a seat-of-your-pants writer? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I am totally a plotter, however, and, and I will, like, outline, and then I'll try to, like, follow that outline, and I never follow it, and then I make <laughs> another outline. And then I try to like, so like I have to draft and then see what doesn't work and then outline again and then draft. And in this book in particular, I probably drove my editor batty because like right in the middle of it, I was like, okay, everybody hear me out. We're just gonna, we're gonna throw in there. And everyone's like, no, 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 please. Like, (laughs) let's not throw in that because that is very sad. I was like, for some reason, throwing in a sick grandma, like now, now looking yeah. back, that was super unhinged. Like that was like, I don't even know why I wanted, they were like, no, 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 no. This has to be fun. Like we yeah. wanted to be fun sick grandma. Now we're like going down a really slippery slope of everyone's crying. So sometimes my outlining works. Most of the time it's like an evolving process. Mm-hmm. Outline draft outline draft yeah no I think it's funny like the idea of throwing in the sick grandma because I think a lot of writers our our intuition is you know how do I make things worse for the character like what's the most the most awful (laughs) the most dramatic the most you know heart-wrenching thing I can do because of course that generates feelings in our readers and that's generally what we're going for um, but it is an interesting thought that like, it's sometimes you have to pause and be like, but what book am I writing? Of course, there's exactly. lots of books that need a dead grandmother, dying grandmother, or sadness. Mm-hmm. Is that the book I'm trying to write right now? And you do kind of have to pause and ask yourself those questions sometimes. And you know, I think the way, okay. So like when my editor was saying, add more emotion, I thought immediately, sick grandma instead of just like looking at what was actually happening and how I could like mine emotions from that mm. because like I, I thought that I had to like like I was like what is traditionally just sad yeah okay, my grandma's sick but that really didn't that was just like um it's like adding on an addition to your house and like that addition does not match anything <laughs> you know <laughs> As opposed Um, to like doing a remodel. And like looking at what you already have. And I felt like, you know, now I know heartbreak. I had heartbreak Mm -hmm. from almost page one when she's just getting dumped. You know, like she really wanted to um, stay in love and stay in this relationship. And so 
having her really work through how she felt and like how betrayed she felt by this this guy that that was honestly a really good guy to her. I was able to find those emotions without <laughs> without trying so hard for like for the moment, you know? Yeah. No, that makes sense. And you're right. I mean, there's tons of emotion throughout this book. Uh, and of course, a lot of it does come from the heartbreak uh, and, you know, just having your four-year boyfriend break up with you. Of course, there's so many emotions that come with that. But there's also like, she's in the middle of a lot of different relationships and you know there's emotions associated with her family and emotions associated with her friends and it's definitely not short on emotion so is that do you feel like that's kind of a product of revisions as you were digging deeper into these things oh definitely like oh my gosh that is okay so plot sometimes goes off the rails a little bit because I will try to add in 10 different storylines if someone lets me. But emotion was really hard for me. The one thing that I that I can say I do think I'm good at is is dialogue. Like I can I can do voice, but it's always been really hard for me to to understand, okay, like how is this how is this person supposed to feel about this? And like how do I show that on the page? So like the first few drafts of that was Oh my gosh, it was like full of like snappy dialogue, but it was really emotionally thin. It mm. just it didn't have what it what it um what it has now. And that took a lot of reminders from my editor like, "All right, let's get to the heart of the story." Yeah. <laughs> like and she would, you know, look at chunks. Like she would look at scenes and say, "Okay, like look at look at what's happening here. How does Layla feel about this? Or like even a secondary character. She's like, okay, how do they feel about this? Tell me about it. And then mm-hmm. we will work that way. Yeah. No, it's funny. Editors sometimes are kind of like little therapists. Like, but how do you feel? Okay, but how do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. So true. <laughs> All right. You mentioned dialogue um, and no joke on my notes preparing for our chat today. um, I have the words teen dialogue with an exclamation point underlined and circled um, Mm -hmm. because I love the way you write dialogue. And in particular, your teen characters, they sound like teenagers. And this is something that I really struggle with in my contemporaries. Uh, So I would like to know all of your secrets. Oh my gosh. I am okay. First of all, I am going to snip that little piece of the podcast, send it to my daughter who was away at college right now, and say, I told you, because she always says, Mom, that does not sound, Mom, please. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no I'm from a 38 year old woman. So. <laughs> She's like, Mom. So, okay, here, here's where I think. But here's what I think might have helped. Um, we were in a pandemic and I was trapped in the house with my son <laughs> for <laughs> two years. <laughs> and our walls are paper thin and he was on his PlayStation after homework a lot. And I was like, really? What are you guys talking about? I could hear everything. So um, I definitely pulled from him, but also... I pulled, so the funny thing is I kind of pull from um, my group chat too. So my friends might hear their voice, their voices in there a little bit. 
<laughs> even though we're all like like adults like we're all super adults but like I don't know we have a funny way of talking to each other it's... yeah yeah no and sometimes I don't know if I'm hanging out with friends who I've been friends with since I was a teenager I do think that that comes back a little bit yeah okay maybe that's what it is we're all like yeah they're all my friends from high school. yeah oh that's funny no that's interesting well okay so your advice largely it sounds like is hang out with teenagers um <laughs> I need to know we're teenagers. In a very non-creepy way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I seriously, my kids are eight and I have said this before. I cannot wait until they are teenagers and have teenage friends hanging around the house because that just sounds like gold. I'm just going to mine so much from from them and their relationships. (laughs) Yeah. It was a time. At times, I was like, oh, okay, you know, because the walls are paper thin and they would just, it was just all night long. It was, it went from like short spurts of arguments, like about like NBA 2K. And then it was like laughing. It was, it was like a mixed bag of emotions with these teens. And yeah. like the girls were calling in and I'm, Teens are always on FaceTime. I do have to <laughs> say that. And because they're all on FaceTime, I, yeah, I got a lot of information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds like a I very good resource. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, another character that I particularly loved, um, one of your non-teen characters is Layla's mom. Uh, and she's so great because she is, of course, just a wonderful mom character. She's got a great relationship with both of her daughters. Um, but from a writing perspective, I thought it was so fun because she kind of ends up filling this like wise mentor role in the story. And she had just so many brilliant little nuggets of wisdom. And I really liked her. And I loved how she would say something that is so smart. And, you know, wise and like guiding Layla down the path. And at first, Layla's always kind of like, what do you know? But then she kind of always comes around. <laughs> and I just thought that was so great. Yeah. Um. So mom, basically, she was she was one of my flat characters where it was just like, all right, Layla needs a mom. So mm. let's just add in a mom. And um, her only job was to be like, oh, no, Layla's crying. Oh, Layla. And so I had to really think about like, who is mom? You know, like if I had to get to know this person, what is her backstory? And I ultimately decided to have mom date at the same time as Layla because mom is almost a mirror of what does it look like when you start over and you take risks and you take chances. And, you know, Layla's not that happy about that at first, but she does have an example right there in the house of like someone who may have taken some time to sort of, you know, get over their own breakup and find herself before jumping out there. But like now mom is entering a new stage of her life. And so hopefully that gave Layla the the guts to sort of go out there and um, try something she hadn't expected to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And it kind of just helps bring so many of the themes of the story, um, whether it's, you know, second chances at love or following the things that make you happy, um, you know, thinking about your future and your self-worth. And a lot of it 
of course, is revolving around Layla, but her mom's kind of parallel subplot just brings all of that to the surface in a way that worked super well. Yay, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. All right, my last question before we move on to our bonus round. What would you say is one of the biggest challenges that you've had to face in your career? And how were you able to overcome that? I think the ongoing biggest challenge for me is expectations and having those expectations and not knowing how to go with the flow. You know, I I don't know. You know, we're always told in life that like, oh, you know, just try hard and, you know, you'll you'll get to your goal and publishing sometimes isn't like that. You know, it's like you can work hard and everything that you expect may not happen. And so you have to you have to be okay with that or you have to come to terms with that. And so I'll like set all these like really lofty goals for myself. And like, if it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen right away, I'm like, oh, I'm sad. Mm-hmm. Or like, how can I like make this, make it happen? But I, I think what I have learned with my first, um, with, you know, the middle grade book release. And now with this book release is to just let what's going to happen happen as much as you know you want to control the situation you you really like you can you can write the book and you can revise it and you can do all of those things but a lot of what happens is out of the writer's control and like I almost feel like I've heard that so many times it feels like a cliche to me but I feel like when we try to like manipulate the situation too much we only end up hurting ourselves because um, there's only so much, like we're one person. There's only yeah. so much we can do. And so I feel like I am a little less anxious <laughs> with this <laughs> book launch. And I've been able to enjoy the, um, the, the things that have been wonderful surprises for me this time around because I haven't been so anxious. Mm. Well, that's great. Now, it sounds like you and I are have very similar personality types. Um, I also like to be in control of things <laughs> and I make a plan. And if my plan falls apart, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but it is it is. No, it's good advice to keep in mind that like you, like you say, you are only one person and it can be so draining on our time and our energy to like be constantly trying to control every little thing. And I've personally come to find that like, it just makes so much more sense to put that time and energy into the few things that I really do have complete control over being largely, of course, the the writing of the next book. I mean, that's my biggest advice. <laughs> is yeah. To- you know, like have multiple things going on so that um, if you can, right, like um, for some people writing multiple books, just it's, um, it's not going to work out for them just because, you know, maybe they have small children, um, or they're just, you know, they just don't want to write multiple books. But, (laughs) But if you can, it does help because it almost feels like, all right, when I don't have control over this thing that's happening, I do have control over this. And let me focus on this to sort of let whatever happens happen over there. And so I know for me, 
that has helped because sometimes like even um, while this book is launching, I'm like looking at a cover for another book and like going over copy edits for like, a you know, it's mm-hmm. different things that that um, that are distracting me from okay, are people pre-ordering the book? What's going on? Everybody, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's been easier this time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I do think that's that's excellent advice. Okay, are you ready for a bonus round? I love bonus rounds. Oh, good. (laughs) You're going (laughs) to kill it. (laughs) Music or silence? Um, okay. (laughs) Okay, and now I'm choking on question one. Okay, um. (laughs) This is not supposed to be a hardball. <laughs> I know. Okay, here's the thing. I like I like to wear headphones without music when I'm writing. So I guess silence. Oh uh, yeah, I think that sounds like silence. Yeah. Cake or pie? Doritos. <laughs> I, I accept that answer. Sunny beach or snowy mountains? Oh my God, I love a sunny. I try to go to a sunny beach as much as humanly possible. Definitely sunny beach. Where would you go on your perfect date? Oh my gosh. I am going to get roasted for this. Okay. (laughs) My perfect date. This is just sad. Okay. My perfect date is um, cuddling up on the couch with like rows and rows of like every snack you can imagine. And okay. Only half of the foods are snacks. The other... Half is like is like um delicious foods of like all kinds. And um binge watching an entire season of something that is so good that we talk about it the entire way through. Mm. There is nothing wrong with that. I'm a homebody, so that <laughs> I am too. I am too. Now some of my best dates have been like, let's just stay home and read together. <laughs> let's just yeah. be on the couch and reading our books. I love silent togetherness. Exactly. Quality time, people. What is your favorite thing to do that has nothing to do with reading or writing? Oh my gosh. I am going to sound like such a couch potato. Okay. So I like to um, be at my friends' houses and we are reminiscing about the most ridiculous moments ever like we're like oh remember when we were 22 and you know this ha- and like we're just laughing all night like there's good food going um I don't know I, like with my with my friendship group like I just I like to be yeah so yeah yeah I would say that what book makes you happy Ooh, um what book makes me happy so mm, what what genre any or, genre. Or it has to be like all, it has to be all of them. Oh my God. That is the hardest question. Um, <laughs> The Ramona series. Oh. I, it's super vintage, but like, are we ever going to meet a more adorable character that kicks the wall and like means it? <laughs> like, I That's just love good. her. Like, I love her. She was my introduction to like a real kid in, in books. So like, mm-hmm. I'm always her yeah no that's a good one uh you've hinted quite a bit about this and I don't know how much you can tell us but what are you working on next I think I have an idea (laughs) for um YA number two and um I'm getting ready to like 
write that outline. The outline will probably be nothing like what the book is going to be. But like, you know, it's my, it'll be my first outline. It'll be, you know, it'll be there. Um, so, I, so I am, so I'm releasing Last Chance Dance and then I'm going to get a break, I guess, to write uh, the YA number two. And I have a nonfiction YA project coming out, I think in 2024. And I have to finish, <laughs> finish writing that. And um, then I get to gear up for the launch of my second middle grade. Oh my gosh, so much. Lastly, where can people find you? I am, so, okay, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Lakita Wright, but I am mostly on TikTok right now at Lakita Wilson. Um, So Lakita Wilson on TikTok, just fair warning, you're either going to really love that content or be extremely annoyed. So (laughs) take your If you're annoyed, just go on over to Twitter. I'm more quiet over there. Awesome. Lakita, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. This was really fun. Readers, be sure to check out Last Chance Dance. It hits stores tomorrow. Of course, we encourage you to support your local indie bookstore if you can. If you don't have a local indie, you can check out our affiliate store at bookshop.org slash shop slash Marissa Meyer. And please be sure to check out our merchandise on TeePublic and Redbubble. Next week, I will be talking with the incredibly prolific Dan Santat about his new middle grade graphic novel, A First Time for Everything. If you're enjoying these conversations, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Marissa Meyer Author and at Happy Writer Podcast. Until next time, stay healthy, stay cozy, and whatever life throws at you today, I do hope that now you're feeling a little bit happier.